was wondering if you could just do something like, this is Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. The Working Fans Podcast. Yes. Hey, let's tell me what you're ready. Uh, go ahead, go for it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, listening to the Dave. I'm sorry, let's go ahead. That's all right. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. The podcast. The Working Fans Podcast. The Working Fans Podcast. Yes. Okay, let me try to get you ready. Yeah, go ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. McChristy, Steve Regal, urging you to listen to Dave's Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> That's all right. We'll take it. Thank you very much, <laughs> Steve. Close enough. <laughs> Close enough. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. All right, here we go. Coming down three, two. For another week of the Working Fans Podcast, this is AJ, I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us, as we do every week. Our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter, that's at FansWorking, Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's workingfanswrestlingpod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at workingfanswrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. I'm Jay Geronimi. I just launched a new YouTube channel called Wrong Plays, where I recently took all the McDonald Land characters, put them in the GameCube game, WWE Day of Reckoning, and wrote some theme songs for them. I also make music as All Hallows Evil, allhallowsevil.bandcamp.com. The new EP is The Grifted Age. It's very good. It's pay what you want. I know no one has any money right now. You can also listen to it on just about every streaming service. So I'd love it if you listen to it. Uh, once again, I'm Jay signing off. Thank you. Order up. Come and get it. You like my body because it's big and thick. You like my nuggets because they're awfully slick. I think it shows So let me get in order of those toes Cause I'm the purple powder gentlemen we are going to get into something very serious today uh, two weeks ago that we had this 531 debate and it was a great debate i wasn't there for it i was phoning it in because i'm working inside of an infected area and these guys don't want to be anywhere near me but here's what I, i'm a little pissed off about on that 531 you jabronis out there and working fans land came out with jim ross as the number one for announcers for wrestling Jim Ross is a hillbilly. He should not be number one. Bobby Heenan should be number one. You guys suck. Dave, tell me. Answer Hold me, on. please. Lance <laughs> Russell was number two. Bobby was three. The fact that you, you morons put those two ahead of Bobby Heenan is the most illogical How thing I've ever heard. Hold on. Hold on. Before we get started, 
this is a debate between, I would say, at least between me and you first, is that <laughs> I believe that play-by-play guys are more important than color guys. And that's why Jimmy and Lance got to not. I, I, mean this this. I mean this in the nicest possible way. You're wrong. <laughs> Here's the thing. Jim Ross had a list of, like, best play-by-play guys recently. I want to say it was Gordon Soley, maybe Lance Russell, and Bob Cottle. I could be wrong, but I know... Some of those guys are on the list. Not important because what is important is when Jim said if you include color guys, Bobby Heenan's got to make that list somewhere. And Bobby is one of the best all-time performers in the business. So, Jim's humble. That's cool, but Jim's the best to fucking hit when it comes to play-by-play. Suck my dick. <laughs> I will take Bobby Heenan over Lance Russell, Jim Ross, Gordon Soley, Tony Schiavone. I will take him over uh, any of those jabronis. So he- well, I'll tell you what. More to, more to the base of the base. This is supposed to be a tribute show. And uh, I want to write down, I want to take over some stuff I had. I had talked to some people. And they gave me some memories and a few quotes about Bobby. And I thought it'd be fun to share. No, absolutely. Uh, Please share, Dave. Scott from Violent basically said, whatever Bobby said was over with me. He said that he met Bobby a few years ago. Bobby was in poor health, and he got to meet him, you know, talk to him about a minute or two and just put him over. And just to have that minute or two just to talk to Bobby was the ultimate thrill for him. He also said as far as moments go, specifically, the 1992 call of the Royal Rumble, which is just amazing when you hear Bobby lose his shit. Bobby trying to get in the first edition of Raw dressed as a woman and getting kicked out. And uh, a lot of his commentary with Gorilla was uh, made the list. In particular, he sent me a video on primetime wrestling where Bobby was losing a wrestling match to a telephone, which is just awesome. And on a more difficult note, he actually got good yeah. matches out of the Ultimate Warrior, which is harder than a telephone. I watched some stuff from this with Bobby Heenan and Pepper Gomez. Bobby goes back a long way, and he could always go. Jake St. John sent me some quotes. <laughs> this is one from Bobby. Kick a man when he's down. That's when he's closest to your feet. <laughs> it's one of my favorite sayings. Um, how about this one? When John Michael threw Marty Gennetti through the barbershop window. Oh my God, Marty Joe, get away from him. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Oscar remembers Bobby Heenan's call at Bash to the Beach 96. When Hogan turns, that's an interesting one to bring up, Randy, because I don't know if Bobby Heenan, who probably uh, wasn't in his time getting over the angle when Hogan comes down and Bobby yells, Whose side is he on? And it kind of chipped us that Hogan might have been going heel. Was necessary Bobby's finest moment? But nonetheless, that's a memory. Did you say Bash at the Beach? Bash at the Beach 96. When Hogan was actually turning. Bobby, I remember yeah, that. Randy that as Bobby's, one of Bobby's favorite calls. Bobby just basically talking shit on Hogan. See, I enjoyed... No, I was going to say, I enjoyed Bobby's stuff with Gorilla. Just on a personal note, to me, you know, I was much more NWA than I was WWF. And the things that I would tune in for were those segments on primetime when I could see Bobby and Gorilla or the early stuff when Bobby would make fun of everybody from Hogan to Andre. To me, his personality and the bumps he took in the ring were just second to none. Yes. I did want to include before we move on to uh with Joe and some of his stuff too. Zach had also said to the thing that the 92 Rumble, the interview in the back where Heenan and Perfect basically are gloating <laughs> over Flair winning the world title and they say something along the lines, we're not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we told you so. That, and he had also said that when Bobby's reaction with Savage mentioned on primetime wrestling that he picked Perfect to be his tag team partner over Razor and Flair for Survivor Series and Bobby's reaction. All good stuff. I was, I looked up some stuff this week, too, where Bobby had a debate with Ken Patera. This was Ken Patera coming out of jail in real life, and they run an angle with it. And Ken Patera... Was it McDonald's versus Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> I see you're aware of Patera's jail cut. But <laughs> Yeah, he's but, definitely a Burger King guy, 100%, 24 hours. I've seen that debate, and Bobby actually takes some good shots on him, literally calling him a jailbird and... Bobby says, you want a belt? Basically, something he says, here's a belt for you. And he basically takes his belt and he whips the terror in his face. However, it doesn't work out for him. But Bobby takes this hellacious bump where Ken basically has the belt wrapped around Bobby's neck and swings him. And you can just see why Bobby probably had neck damage later on. He was 
very fearless with his bumps. I Joe, think, I think let speak, me give you some time to talk here. No, no, please give Joe time. I just want to say one more thing. To me, the highlight for Bobby Heenan, speaking of his neck, was when Brian Pillman comes up behind him on... Hey, uh, oh, my God. He comes up behind him on Nitro and to see the reaction class of Bobby. Champion. Oh, class champion. Sorry. Yeah, I'll take over that one. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> On live TV. Absolutely incredible. You never hear Jim Ross say that. No, no, no. Jim don't drop money. Enough F-bombs. I'll give you that. <laughs> I kind of want to highlight Scott's story from earlier because Scott from Voluntown has actually been my closest friend since about fourth grade. Mm. And my first WrestleMania trip was down to Orlando. And we didn't go to WrestleMania, but we went to Joey Janela's Spring Break 1. Fuck, I can't remember all the shows we went to. We went to the first Pancakes and Pile Drivers. It was probably one of the best traveling wrestling experiences I've ever been to. And we went to, we got tickets for the WrestleCon. And one of the biggest things Scott wanted to do was visit Bobby Heenan. And it was the last year of his life. It was hard to, like, see him like that. But it was important to Scott, like, very important to be able to go up to him and even talk to him for a minute and tell him what he meant. And if that can tell you how important Bobby Heenan is, I think, um... I think that says it all. Well, I think one of the things we can also agree on is God is a much better person than any of the three of us. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm just saying. Because as much as it would have been important for me to see Bobby, I would not have been able to see him like that. To me, that would have ruined everything from my childhood. I don't like to remember people like that. I don't like to remember Muhammad Ali the way he was at the end of his life. I want to remember athletes. Ric Flair's killing me right now. Every time I see him on, on TV, I'm like, my God, stop putting the camera on him. <laughs> I hear you, and like, oh, very recently, I realized that when somebody can't talk to you, and you're only, like, communicating through eyesight, that might be one of the most powerful connections you could make. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it... It's just a tough thing. And to follow up on what Adrian was talking about, about not being able to see Bobby like that, not being able to see Muhammad Ali like that, and Ric Flair, what you have to understand about my good friend AJ is that when he sees people declining, he sees them as less than and not as important. And that's tough for him to see that, considering he used to once really worship these guys. Now that they're broken down, and in his words, a piece of garbage, he's not about that. So, I got your back, AJ. All day long, baby. Oh, man. I, I wish I... I gave you all dudes money. I wish I could debate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Well, since AJ's willing to cut bait on grandma, let's cut bait on this recording. <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, please. The one thing I do want to talk about is Bobby, and this is just my last thing that I'll say on it. Bobby started off under Dick the Bruiser in Indianapolis, worked his way through the AWA, made stars of everybody he came into contact with as first handsome Bobby Heenan, and then later on as the brain when he worked with Nick Bockwinkle. He literally made a star out of everybody he came into contact with, going through to the WWF where he worked obviously with guys like Big John Studd, Ken Patera, the Heenan family. Haku, all the way through with Mr. Perfect, all the way to WCW, everywhere Bobby Heenan went, he created gold. So I will always oh, have a special. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. When Ric Flair came to the WWE, did he need a vocal person? No, he did not. But did Bobby Heenan add to it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, actually, one of my favorite Bobby quotes I want to say this too was when Bobby had the NWA title on his hands before they video distorted it, and he said that. This is the real world championship. And comparing the men who held this title to who holds Hulk Hogan's title is like comparing ice cream to horse manure. And I was like, wow, <laughs> did not see that coming. And to me, when you look at the guys who did hold the NWA title, and this is a debate for another time, I 100% agree with that statement, so. <laughs> I guess you did. <laughs> So screw you, Bruno San right. Martino. Let me take us out of here. Hulk Hogan, you can go straight to hell. Good night, everybody. Here is another public service announcement from the Working Fans Podcast. Nolan, take it away. Guys, are you sick of being catfished? Are you sick of being disappointed every single time you meet up with a chick at the bar? Do your friends tell you to get out of there right away or go to the bathroom and leave? 
Not anymore. Now's the time we fight back, boys. We band together. You know that feeling you get when you meet a chick and you think she's gonna be attractive. All you gotta do is when you meet up with her and you're disappointed, you see that she's bigger than you are. All you gotta do is this, guys. You get that hog drunk. You take her back to her, to your apartment, her place, wherever it might be. You get her all excited. She thinks her plan worked. And that's when you do it, boys. That's when you give her two minutes of the worst sex you could possibly give. Two minutes tops. And disappoint that bitch. Let her know how it feels to be disappointed. Why would they do this? Don't think you have to be an AEW guy or a WWE guy or girl. You know what? You can watch and, and, and just watch some fucking wrestling and enjoy it for what it is. You don't have to. Just because you like one doesn't mean you have to hate the other. 100%. Just, you know what? Don't watch that. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Watch what you like because there's a lot more to choose from now. Get your head to the pillow at the end of the night. That's all that matters. Mm. Just get your head to the pillow. No matter how bad you're feeling, don't. No matter how bad you think you're doing, you, if you put your head on that pillow, you got a you got a fighting shot at tomorrow. We're gonna call the segment favorites. Favorite movie? Uh, I'm gonna say Titanic, man. Okay, right. <laughs> <laughs> not bad. I like it. Romantic comedy I, I, kind of guy. If there's, a, if there's a movie on that I'm gonna watch ten thousand times over, it's that one. And I'm gonna make my wife watch it, and she's gonna bitch the whole time. <laughs> I like that you're kind of the big softy of the group. That's pretty funny. <laughs> well, who would be your favorite athlete then? You know, I don't, I don't really have a favorite athlete. I never have. And okay. I, I know that's, a, you know, but I just, I don't, I just enjoy the sport. You know, I just, I, even when I watch collegiate football, I don't have a favorite team. I just watch the game to enjoy the game. Yeah, I hundred percent get that. Actually, it's kind of funny. <laughs> like, like even with wrestling, like I have favorites, but there are times I'm just really enjoying the program. The older I get, like it's like I enjoy it like as the art and the art form of it almost. Right. Exactly. We'll just try a couple other random ones. Fuck. All right. <laughs> Tell me, playing this segment out well. <laughs> All right. Any fears? Snakes? Spiders? <laughs> Fear heights. Heights, no shit. <laughs> I am terrified of heights. You wouldn't notice if you uh, if you see me down over the top rope, but yeah, I'm terrified of heights. <laughs> oh shit, that's incredible. Talk about facing your fears, bro. <laughs> 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 All right, that's great. I don't know if that's gonna make a separate segment. That might just be an interview, but that's because we gotta work on it. But that's all right. That's that was good. <laughs> Thanks for playing along. It's always hard to kind of come up with new ways to make an interview fun with somebody. Yeah. Because you don't want to just throw the same old questions at them. Yeah. Oh yeah, no right. I get it, man. Hello, this is Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express, and you are listening to the Working Fan Podcast. Oh, yeah. Cut a promo for us, bud. This is Jesse from New Hampshire here, and when I'm not making the 5-3-1 list, I'm actually listening to the podcast. This is the Working Fans Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Electricity Steve Regal listening to the Working Fans Podcast. Yeah. Alright everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with Dave and Joe, and I got one of the all-time greats of wrestling today, former AWA World Tag Team Champion and former AWA Light Heavyweight Champion, Mr. Electricity Steve Regal. How are you, sir? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing great, Dave. As you well know, we're in a time of uh, crisis in our, in our country, but uh, I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it, right? We're all doing as best we can right now. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's unforeseen territory we're all in. Exactly. So for people who don't know, I mean, you got, it's very interesting to see some of the people you're just associated with. I was looking up who you were trained by. Your father-in-law, who was Wilbur Snyder, Rene Goulet, and Bobby Heenan helped out too? Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Bobby was a key factor of my training. That's awesome. I didn't even know Bobby had really trained a lot of people. Well, he didn't. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Randy. Bobby and I were friends from when I was a kid, and he was a kid. He used to set up the ring up and do stuff for Bruiser promotion in Indianapolis, Indiana. And I started doing that when Wilbur started hauling the ring and setting it up. Then I got the job. Bobby was already in the business. And he and I were just interacting with were friends. I just knew him, and when I started to, when I told him I wanted to be a wrestler, he tried to talk me out of it and blah, blah, blah. But he was a key guy, and 
trained me and, and learned the ropes and, you know, doing everything to do. And then he had guys come over and beat the shit out of me, like Big John Studd. Uh, <laughs> Rene Goulet was very helpful. And Wilbur, of course, beat my brain out. But, you know, that's another <laughs> story. But, yeah, Bobby was in, integral in it. And God bless his soul, he was a great guy. You think Wilbur, uh, was that the case of the father-in-law beating up on the son-in-law a little bit, maybe? He got a few extra licks on you? Just a little bit. Yeah, he did. You sure look good. <laughs> 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 you uh, ended up having a very good career in the AWA. You won the uh, Light Heavyweight Championship. Who did you win the AWA Light Heavyweight Championship from? I don't actually remember that. That was from Buck Rock and Roll Zoom Hall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that man, God rest his soul. I don't know if he's alive, but he's in prison for a child molesting. Uh, uh, well. <laughs> I guess he turned out to be a real perm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we got the bell off of him then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that you uh, teamed with former governor of Minnesota, Jesse the Body Ventura, too. I saw some interviews with you guys. How did that pairing oh, come yeah. about? Oh, that was just that was just a situation. I worked for Vern for quite a while, and he saw my talent. And what happened was, when I went to work for him, I was a happy face guy, you know, that type of thing. When I went up there, he had Greg Gunn, he had Jim Brunzel, he had Tito Santana, he had all these baby face guys that were already over. So I went to Greg and said, hey, why don't you let me uh, work as a heel of that guy? Because he got too many baby faces, and I can work as a heel and, and make more money. He said, oh, that's a good idea, right by that, and boom, the next day. They had me and Jesse tagged up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's pretty cool. I mean, I talk about outlandish personality. Jesse, he was doing an interview I saw where he was basically talking about how he got confused because you looked like one of the fabulous ones. And right. And I was like, I was wondering, like, did you ever get confused? Because you did have a similar look to the fabulous ones too. Oh, I did have a similar look, but when you put us all next to each other, we we didn't look similar in the ring. Yeah, it'd be hard to mistake one from the other because they're all that blonde hair and dark beards. Right, right. <laughs> and we, we were smaller guys too, so. But Jesse, God, I love him to death, man. I keep in touch with him occasionally now because he's down in Mexico. But he's a great guy, man. And what a, a true professional. And you would go on later team up with gorgeous Jimmy Garvin too. How was that working with Jimmy? Oh, Jimmy, see, the true culture. We had so much fun together. And his wife, Patty, that uh, was our ballet. My God, yeah. You couldn't ask for any better job. You know what I mean? Working for Vern was easy. Because back then, in the there's God bless him. He's a great promoter. He's made a ton of money. He's got a brain the size of Einstein. You know what I mean? But he worked your guy's hair for night. And now I guess he's letting a little more time off. But, you know, you're working every night a week. Vern, we worked three to four times a week. Four at the most, at least. You know what I mean? So you could be home with your family. You could be home. You could train. You could eat. You could, you know, work out. And have a life. When you went for this or some of the other territories, you worked every day. I was in Madison Square Garden on Monday night. On Tuesday, I was in Sacramento. On Wednesday, I was in Omaha. On Thursday, I was in Rapid City. I mean, you know, it just goes on and on, and it just, it won't happen. But I quit. <laughs> I quit about three months ago. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, that's money versus time, right? I mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, the money's great. Don't get me wrong. The money's great. It pays very well. Mm-hmm. But. Shit, man, they have a life. With Vern, I was spoiled because the AWA was the great territory. That's why everybody went there. In fact, I was the guy who told Hulk Hogan he was in Memphis with me in 79, 78, 79, somewhere around there, maybe part of 80. I told him to go up to Vern and say, hey, Vern, use you, man. He'll, he'll, he'll make you a star. And, and the rest is history. And he only left Vern because Vince dangled so much money in front of his nose. He had to do it. I don't blame him. He didn't know. No doubt. Yeah. Uh, as long as he be gone, you know, maybe that made him a star, but this made him a, a superstar, a brand name, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, even to this day, like when you think of like some of the most famous wrestlers, people who don't know wrestling, you can mention Hulk Hogan too. And they go, oh, 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 that guy from WWF. Yeah. Or, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. They know that guy. You're right. Yeah. He made our business what it is today, and God bless him for it. I wish it would have been that way when I started. I would have made a little more money, but <laughs> <laughs> I made good money. I did okay, and I got to retire early. You know, I got to retire when I was 36 years old. So I'm guessing... From wrestling. From wrestling. Right, right. I was just, I'm guessing you saved your money pretty well from wrestling then. You weren't one of the guys who... Uh, made the mistake of spending too much of it. No, I was very fortunate because Bobby was, Bobby, some people might call him a tightwad. He wasn't a cheapskate, but he was a tightwad. He saved his money and he told me, he says, whatever you make, he says, if you save 15% of it, he says, you'll be okay. And that's what I did. And I saved almost 20% of it. And I have a wife and two kids. I traveled around the country 29 times with my family, coast to coast. I've lived everywhere. And I still had that 
team that I still do to this day, and it, it paid off very well. Yeah, I'm, I have no debt. I'm all, I own my economy. I'm sitting on the beach right now looking at the ocean, uh. and I'm doing well. Wow, so it sounds like Bobby Heenan was a huge part of your life. Was there any other advice you got from him over the years that really stuck with you? Oh, God. Oh, so many things, my God. But what hell, he told me, do not take the first offer when the promoter offers to you. That was one tip he gave me. Yeah. If a guy says he wants to, he'll pay, they make you $400 a week, tell him, oh, I don't know about that. And wait till he stops. And, you know, the whole nine yards out of the coat That was a factor. And other than that, God, there's so many stories. He's such a funny guy. He's a really good friend. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you were talking about saving money. I actually just saw an interview with um, Big Show Paul White, and he was telling uh, he was telling people how Randy Savage had told him how to save his money. That like Hulk Hogan at the time would uh, pay for all these dinners and stuff, and Big Show wanted to pay his own way. And Savage is like, "Hey, stay in your lane. If Hulk wants to pay, it's fine. Trust me, it's okay." <laughs> That's a good example. Randy Savage is a smart, smart man. God bless his soul. He got way too young. But he, people call him that's like one of cheese people, but you know what, he wasn't that, he just knew how to save money, and I'll tell you what, if he wouldn't have died when he did, I don't know where he was doing or what he was doing at the time, he was getting a lot of anyway, but see, that guy probably had a million dollars in the bank. Mm. Getting back to AWA for a bit, you and Garvin beat the Road Warriors. Very rare. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you realize uh, how big a deal that was going to be, and what was it like working with the Road Warriors at that time? Yes, man. Are you kidding? They came in and Greg and Byrne sat us down the night before and said, Hey, we want to put the belts on you guys. If we said, What? We're going to And they said, Yeah, we want to do that so we can, you know, they don't get ready to go somewhere else and then, you know, how that business goes. But uh, we said, Yeah, sure. So how are we going to do it? You know, so we need 16 other people to be there, I ask, you know. Right. But uh, it was a business decision. Byrne saw us as a viable tag team to, you know, drop the belts and lose the belts and get them back and so forth. To, to create business, and we were a drawing card, thank God, because we were all in AWE territory, so, yeah, Jimmy and I were good friends, Jimmy and the rest is history, you know, we rock and roll, man. Now, how was it, I mean, you have a lot of nice things to say about Vern, was it really, was he just the best guy to work for, is there anything else you can tell us about Vern? Vern was kind of an old, stiff kind of guy, you know, he was kind of old school, and he, it was his way on the highway, but hmm. his way for many, many years was the way to do it. The only good thing I can say about him, I don't have any bad things to say about him, the only good thing I, uh, one good thing I can say about him is he paid well. Yeah. I mean, if you did your job and you came in there and grew him, he, he bonus you up, you know what I mean? You have a guarantee, of course, all, all guys do, mm. so you don't know what you're making, but, you know, there were many times I make double, triple what I was expecting to make. He was a very good pay because we got paid off the live game back then. The more bunch we put in the seat, the more money we made. It wasn't all TV revenue. Right. Well, now, was Vern a very intimidating presence? Yeah, yeah, I did hear that actually. Yeah, Vern was known as a shooter. I wasn't sure at what time, but yeah, the Vern I always saw too was an older gentleman on the TV. So I was just kind of curious. He's always old, yeah. He's been old since he was 30. There is something about that. Like, Iron Anderson, bless his heart, I'm one of the biggest fans of Iron, but he looked like he was in his 50s when his 20s, but now he's in his 50s, he still looks the same. It's like he always looked the same age. And Arn, hey, Arn's a great guy. I got to talk about him, too. I've been around with him a little bit. He's a great guy. Oh, yeah, tell us about Iron. I'd love to hear about Iron. <laughs> oh, he's a good guy, man. I'll tell you what, if you ever... That's one guy, there's probably 10 guys in our business when I was doing it in 70s, 80s, and not in the idea. I quit in 88, 89, and just to make a thing and stuff. But uh, Iron was one of the top 10 tougher guys in the business. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, he could kick your ass in three seconds. <laughs> That you went on to work in the NWA for a little bit. You uh, won the junior heavyweight title from uh, Denny Brown. Well, I'm Denny Brown. Yeah, how was the NWA? Once, you know, that the AWA. Oh, the the Crockett, hey, here's what I did. I, I, I was, it was 1985, I went to Japan for a tour, which they paid big money. I was making six grand a week there at the time, back in 85. I come back from a tour in Japan about eight weeks, and it's, I see the writing on the wall. Hulk is gone, there's poaching talent, Jesse's gone, everybody's gone to burn, uh, it's Vince, I mean. So I said, well, I either gotta go to Vince or I gotta go make a bankroll, because it's gonna end pretty soon, right? So I called around and I went down to Dallas for a little while, worked for, uh, What's his name? Fritz. His name was Booker. Fritz, yeah. yeah. Fritz. And uh, I worked uh, in Charlotte. And then I went there to Charlotte. And then I went from there to 
fence for about three months. And what I did was just get as much, I kept my wife and kids at home, all my thoughts, they'd stay here, I'm going to go make a bank loan so we can live for a couple of years so I'd find a real job. Hmm. And that's what I did. So I went and made it as I could. And worked out pretty good. You, did you kind of see the writing on the wall of Vince? Obviously, it was a big man's territory at the oh, time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Vince didn't like little guys. And Eddie, I worked for him. He was nice to me. But, you know, he, he pumped up steroids and was working out and looking like a maniac, right? Yeah. You know, he was a good businessman. I, I don't fault him for anything. I don't have any grudges against him. He paid me well for what I did in the time I was there. And he knew he wasn't going to do anything with me. I knew it, too. But I knew I was gonna make some money, and that's why I did. I worked for about three months. I have huge down payments put on my home that I built, and uh, the rest is history. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. I saw you uh, did do some, um, you worked with an independent wrestling promotion off and on after that, too. Windy City Wrestling? Oh, yeah, with Sammy show. Yeah, he's a great guy. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he, that was close to my home in Indianapolis, and he called me and said, hey, I, I really need you. Say, I need somebody that's known and, you know, has a reputation. I said, yeah, I'll come work for Sammy. He worked out a deal, and I worked for him off and on for two or three years. You seem like you keep yourself in shape, too. You still work out regularly, or? Oh, hell yeah, I work out three times a week now. I walk every day now. The gym's closed now down here because of the virus thing, but uh, I'm, I'll be 69 in August, and I'm probably right now I'm 185 pounds, and I've probably got a 32-inch waist. Ah, uh, there you um, go. Nice. Yeah, we had um, uh, Bobby Blaze, independent wrestler. Yeah, he gave us the Malenkoism that young men should work out, old men must. Yeah. That's right, that's right. And, and Malenko, he's one of the best in there ever was. Uh, he'll tie you up like a pretzel in three seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had a couple of his students on here, and they were all very complimentary of Boris Malenko. Yeah, indeed. Malenko, he's the man. Yeah. Now, Steve, to kind of rewind a little bit, I want to make sure I got this right, but I heard that you had built and hauled a ring for Bruiser and Wilbur. Is that true? That is, that is how I started in the business, yes. When you built the ring, did you know what you were doing, or did you kind of learn it as you went along? Well, all I did was that I was a contractor at the time. I was doing concrete work and stuff like that, so I knew how to build stuff, and it was, wasn't hard. And what I did was look at the ring they had, and they said, we need to build another one. I said, okay, I'll build it. So I just looked at what they had, and I said, yeah, you got four steel posts, you got steel cable with holding over it, and turnbuckles, and uh, mat, and a canvas, and plywood, and lumber. That's it. God, so when you started in the wrestling business, you really got into the nuts and bolts of it. And oh, I, I know from all the way. I know from selling pictures at, 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 on the side of the stand, on the side of the matches, to building the ring, hauling it, refereeing, and then wrestling. Yeah, I know the business top to bottom. Wow, that's something that probably a lot of people today, I'm not going to say a lot, but maybe a certain amount of talent, haven't gone through all those steps and really learned every aspect of the business. Yeah, it was crazy, man, because I never thought of my wildest dreams. I, I was a good football player. I tried out with the Redskins. I was a punter in college in Indiana State, and I had a 42 and a half yard average. So they, they were interested in me. In fact, Party, the coach of Oregon at the time I tried out for the Redskins, he said, hey, kid, you got a great leg. You got to go to three agent camp and try out in L.A. I said, hey, yeah, I got two kids at home. I can't fly out to L.A. <laughs> I can't afford it. But he said, you would get signed if you were going out. I didn't. But uh, anyway, that's uh, another story. But, you know, that's, uh, yeah, I worked my way up from the very bottom. I was selling pictures and refereeing. And I always set the ring up. And I know the business inside out. Now, did you get into the business before or after you married Wilbur Snyder's daughter? Oh, it was way after we got married. We got married in 71, and I actually, at the time, I think my brother-in-law, Mike, his, uh, my wife's brother, Wilbur's son, Mike, he was doing something else, and then he started on the ring, and then he started refereeing, and I think it was probably 73, a couple years later, he said, hey, I, I got another job. He said, uh, he said, you want to take the ring job over? I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. And that's that's where I started. You know, I think it was back in 73, 74, somewhere around there, and I went for Boozer and didn't realize uh, that there were territories and you could go out and do that stuff, because I was really greedy. I didn't know anything about pro wrestling, except I liked it. And I go to match, so I watch them, and I, you know, I have to referee, and I saw how it all worked. I say, hey, you know, Mike did this, he was a white guy, yeah, I, I can do it, you know, blah, 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 and the rest is history. Like, like I said, I sweated in a barn for six months with John Stett and Bobby Ian and Randy Blade beating the crap out of me, and the rest is history. Now, you seem like a very good guy. I'm guessing, I'm just wondering, did you see a lot of ribs, or were you the victim of any ribs, or anything you could tell us? I'm just curious, there's such a rib culture back then, it seems like. Yeah, there, there was a lot of that stuff going on. I was very fortunate what didn't get anything pulled on me very easily, but, you know, a lot of you know, guys sticking their butts out of window down the highway, 
away, stuff like that, but yeah. nothing, you know, nothing that uh, was, you know, devastating. But, uh, yeah, there's some good ribs in the play, but to be honest with you, I can't pick one right now off the top of my head, but, yeah, yeah that happened a lot. Pat yeah. Tanaka was telling us that great story about how Vern had to outlaw handcuffing things to things because everybody was handcuffing, like, Suitcases to yeah, desks. Bags to something, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, that went around. Yeah, that went around territory. After wrestling, you went to work for General Motors? What did you do with yeah, them? That is correct. I was one of their sales reps for their certified car program when they started it. I, uh, I had a buddy that I worked for that, that was kind of tight with General Motors. He said, hey, you want a job with him? You want to date with him? I said, yeah, with the pay, blah, blah, blah. And it paid well, and I did that for probably three years, and then General Motors kind of not, not belly up, but they canceled the certified program because what would happen was I'd pick cars out that we'd buy. I'd have to go to all the auctions. I went to Chicago and Indianapolis and Detroit to pick cars that were going to be certified, which had to be under a certain mileage, had to have no damage, no paywork, blah, 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 and helped me create that program and, and did it. And after we started rolling, they canned me, you know, because they didn't want to pay. Yeah. Now, do you still watch the uh, product at all? No, I don't, to be honest with you. I'm down here in South Florida, and I don't even know anybody's name or who's in it. When they say Roman Reigns, and I, who's that? <laughs> I'm like, what? Who? Okay. You know, I'm out of touch, to be honest with you. You know, I, I love my sport. I respect my sport. I respect the guys that do it. It's a hard way to make a living, and it's fun at times, but at other times, you know, it can be a real drag. But, it, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't regret anything, but uh, I do watch occasionally, but I, I'm not a big watcher of it on TV now. I don't even know who's, who's what, who's doing what. I got you. Now, you did work for Vince a little bit, and it's funny because I've heard people talk about, like, Vince is still going on with WrestleMania this year. He taped it in an empty arena, and yeah. despite everything going on with the pandemic, Vince refused to not put on the show. You work with Vince. Does that even surprise you a little bit that Vince would still continue on no matter what? Oh, and that doesn't surprise me. And the number one reason why is the guy's a multi-billionaire. He can afford to do that. Right, right. If that was any other promoter, they'd pack up and shut the doors. But he got money, and I don't know if he can ride it out for another year or two doing this because of this. Who knows how long it's going to last? Let's hope it's weeks, but it could be months. It might be years. Who knows? Right. But he's got the money to do that. But there again, his talent's going to drift off or get fired or get laid off because he can't afford to pay everybody. But I don't know. He's, he's got hey, he's got so much money, it's stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, he seems like a very driven man, too. <laughs> oh, he is. He, hey. The guy, I, I don't know, I think he is. Everybody, he's as old as I'm older. Yeah. And he stays in great shape, but you know, he does some work and yeah, he works out. But hey, come back and more power to him. If he can do it, do it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. The guy's a genius when it comes to promotion. Look at what he's done. Holy crap. <laughs> he put, he, I heard he walked in to Vern after I left there and offered him 250 grand in cash and a suitcase. And Vern turned it down. I would have said, hey, you should have taken it. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Steve, is there anything uh, you'd like to, uh, you know, promote, or is there anything you're doing, or just uh, you want to say before we finish up? Yeah, nothing to promote. I'm, done, I'm retired, man. I just, uh, I don't do anything. I, uh, I ballet for a restaurant occasionally, uh, like 20, 25 hours a week right down the street. I don't want to work and park cars and make a few tips and get a little more spending money on top of Social Security, my retirement income. So, you know, I'm keeping busy, but shit, man, I'm retired. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy life. That's awesome to hear, man. Enjoy. That's right. My wife and I are down here. We have our kids and our grandkids. They come see us every once in a while. And uh, one of my daughters still lives here in Pompano, and we sure see her quite a bit with her two kids and it's a nice life man I, I thank God every day because uh, I'm healthy number one well I'm healthy but it's hard getting out of bed in the morning my back and neck are all screwed up but mm. and my knees but you know that's from the wind and grind on the on the road but uh, I'm very happy with where I'm at in life and uh, God willing I live to be 100 years old or so who knows thank you so much Steve thank you so much for your time it was an absolute pleasure man thank you guys God bless God bless have a great day stay safe out there you too brother welcome to the 5-3 <laughs> not but welcome how how are you welcome to the 5-3-1 Wake Fit Hits Podcast welcome back to the 5-3-1 where we take a top 5 list on a particular subject debate it down to a top 3 list and then further debate it down to a top 1 mm. this week we're doing US Champions Jesse from New Hampshire had, of course, Chris Benoit. Yeah. Stunning Steve Austin is number two. Sure, that's a good one. Ric Flair. Woo! Roddy Piper. Ha! And John Cena. Can't see me. <laughs> <laughs> Zach had Ricky Steamboat. Mm. 
Nikita Koloff, Rick Rude, Lex Luger, yeah. and stunning Steve Austin as well. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to say something about Zach and Jesse's list there. Cena gets a lot of shit, but his run as a U.S. champ was really good. Like, he had the open challenge, had great matches with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens. Yeah. Yeah, great stuff. And Luger, he wasn't the best wrestler. But, like, when I started watching Luger around that time period, like, he had great one- runs as U.S. champion. Yeah. Like, you know, he beat Stan Hansen, Michael Hayes, Dusty Rhodes. I would argue, if anything, he was better in the U.S. championship spot than holding the big gold at that time. Yeah, I think... Or the top belt. He had his accident not too long after he left WCW, right before he did the bodybuilding thing. Okay. At some point. And he really slowed down as a wrestler. He seemed to be wrestling more cautious. Yeah. And also, he had a period of time when he won the WCW world title. Not the brief reign he would have in the Monday Night War era, where he, uh, I believe he beat Hogan and then lost it like a week later. But he had one where he was just jacked up. Yeah. He just seemed a lot slower. And he had Harley Race as his manager, I remember. But he just didn't seem to be at that level of performance anymore. All right. So, Sheaf had Chris Benoit, mm. Ricky Steamboat, yeah. Booker T, mm. Steve Austin, and Harley Race. It's a good list. Uh, you know, I was just thinking like, damn shame we never saw Ricky Steamboat and Chris Benoit wrestle. That would have oh, been a match. That would have been something else. Uh, AJ's list. What do you got for us, AJ? He's got the original Sheik. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Bobo Brazil. Mm-hmm. Bobo. Magnum TA. Yeah. Nikita Koloff. Sure. And Roddy Piper. Big Nikita Koloff mark. And Magnum TA. I mean, that was a great series. Yeah, man. I'll tell you this. I saw the original Sheik on an old VHS tape once in Detroit wrestling Maniac Mark Lewin, who was actually the babyface in this match. And it was absolutely wild. It was in black and white. And the crowd was just nuts. The uh, commentators were a little outrageous for this, but it was just ended up being like a wild match and Sheik threw the fireball at the end. Oh, wow. Now, Ryan Damon from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group Mm. had Lex Luger, Eddie Guerrero, Booker T, Mm. Greg Valentine, Mm. and Barry Windham. Ray Valentine. I forgot. I missed you think Roddy Piper was also U.S. champ for a while, too. Yeah. Ricky Stevaletti Guerrero also would have been a hell of a match, by the way. Because include Benoit makes you think about Guerrero, too. Yeah, Steamboat was ahead of his time where he would have worked with a lot of those cruiserweights that came yeah. later. Could have had some really good match. You know, actually, I don't know if he'll make the list of anybody, but uh, Dean Malenko was U.S. champ briefly, too. Oh, wow. He made nobody's list. No, I think it was... He was mostly, I think, established with the cruiserweight title. Yeah. And, but he had a brief one as U.S. champ, too. Now, Rodney Swift from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group Mm. had Lex Luger, Rick Rude, Mm. Booker T, Greg Valentine, and Barry Windham. Yeah, it's a good list. Another solid list. Glad to see Barry on the list, family. Barry, one of the best workers of all time, in my opinion. And you're going to see that, I think it happens with almost everybody from Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group's list, because Daniel Allen had Barry Windham. Hmm. Lex Luger, Roddy Piper, Dean Ambrose, newer pick, yeah, and Sting. Daniel Allen. Daniel Allen. Yeah, I believe I uh, briefly worked with Daniel Allen in Chaos for a Better Value, and I think he was a Daniel Allen who was, went on to work at Dairy Farms, and the last I knew was a overnight manager at Stop and Shop, and Will Manic. Then he moved on to another Stop and Shop, I believe. All right. Well, I don't know if same guy, but let us know, Daniel. He was a wrestling fan. Chris Zauha. Always going to be Zouchy to me. Yeah. From Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling Group. Mm-hmm. Had Lex Luger. Yeah. Barry Windham. Mm. Dustin Rhodes. Rick Rude. And Ricky Steamboat. Dustin Rhodes made the list. That's a great pick. Dustin obviously made a success as Gold Dust. But boy, he could really go even at this time. He had some great matches with Barry Windham. I used to Steve like him Austin. as the natural. Like, that was where I first became familiar with him. Mm hmm. It stunned AJ when he became Gold Dust because this was before the internet. And me and him, I still remember this. We talked in school. AJ was like maybe two years ahead of me. I had stayed back a little bit. I was sick. Don't worry about that. It's not a big business. <laughs> but we were having this conversation about wrestling. And I started talking about, we, I was like, hey, yeah, Gold Dust, uh, Dustin Rose. And he's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, look at him <laughs> and like listen to him again. It took me a minute too. And he's like, holy shit, you're right. I was like, you didn't see it? No, I didn't see Big Tough Tex and Dustin Rhodes as gold dust. Like, was AJ in the slow class? <laughs> I mean, I don't, he didn't pick up on it. I think he didn't want to accept it. I mean, it was nah, tough okay. for him. Yeah. Imagine if he got those tits like he planned. Oh, yeah. I've only, that would have been glorious. <laughs> <laughs> Randy Osga yeah. gave us a list. He, he had got tits. <laughs> he had Ric Flair. Yes. Harley Race. Mm-hmm. Rick Rude. Yeah. 
Blackjack Mulligan oh, and John Cena. I like the inclusion of Blackjack Mulligan on that. Blackjack Mulligan, Barry Windham's father. And just an all-around entertaining guy, uh, really big guy. And uh, also, from what we understand, legitimately just a badass dude, too. Flair tells a story of Blackjack messing around and picking him up by, like, his throat by with one hand. <laughs> yeah. You know, fun stuff. Fun stuff, yeah. Now, Jake brought us a list. Mm. He has Rick Rude. Right. Lex Luger. Mm-hmm. Sting. Nikita Koloff. Mm. Barry Windham. And he threw a sixth at us, John Moxley. He loves to throw that sixth person. Also, uh, and I'm gonna take it that that's the John Moxley U.S. Championship in New Japan yes. run, and not the Dean Ambrose U.S. Championship in WWE. I Since mean, he made the distinction of putting in Moxley, yes, I would take it that way. And I mean, either he, way, it works. Hadn't he previously wanted to include Nakamura on a list mm-hmm. if Intercontinental? Yes. So Jake, we remember you. And John Moxley is the current U.S. champion, current U.S. champion, yeah. true. And the AEW World Champion at the same time. Now a lot of stuff gets talked about with that. AEW. AEW, yeah, the great AEW World Champion. <laughs> oh, he doesn't got Kanye's belt. <laughs> now Nolan brought us a list. <clears throat> he has Chris Benoit. Benoit. John Cena. <laughs> Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Marasa. Booker T. <laughs> And MVP. Soccer. <laughs> now, uh, Jake also didn't include by the way, his list, too. Just, just, uh, they Rick Rude never lost the U.S. title. Oh, sure. Yeah, so that's a fun fact. So for my list, I gave you John Moxley. Mm-hmm. John Cena. <laughs> Chris Benoit. Yeah. Sting. Mm-hmm. And I had to throw in Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes, good list. Scott uh, from Voluntad. Oh, shit. I know, I we, we almost forgot Scott. Oh, yeah. He gave us Ric Flair, mm-hmm. Rick Rude, yeah. Nikita Koloff, Magnum TA, Damn right. Blackjack Mulligan. Blackjack Mulligan. Scott, coming in that ass, baby, letting you know what's up. Dave, who do you have? I'll tell you who I got. I got Ricky Steamboat, one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Classic match with Ric Flair. Um, Nikita Koloff. Nikita, and I got Magnum TA, because they were synonymous with each other for me with that Best of Seven series. So intense. Rick Rude, because like my boy Jake says, he never lost that damn belt. And Lex Luger, because I thought this was the best run of his career. All right. So looking at a lot of these lists. Mm. Rude comes up a bit, right? Magnum TA, Nikita. There's a lot of people to come up here, man. Steamboat. See, (laughs) I don't know. Take our time here. Mm -hmm. There you go. That's a man who's got conviction. No quit. So we got Magnum, Rick Rude, Steamboat. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't necessarily like. I mean, Luger and Sting, uh, Luger and uh, Cena made this list a few times too. Mm. Did Benoit make it a few? Good healthy amount of times too. I mean, we're not gonna pick Benoit anyway. <laughs> yeah, we, I mean, we already have another five here. So yeah, let's go from this five down to a three down. Okay, to a okay. One. So who's so on the got, top of that list? Magnum. We got Magnum. And let's just go to the bottom. Let's do like a bracket. All right. Magnum. We'll say Magnum gets a buy. Right. So let's do Rude. Right. And Luger. Somebody else would. Have, okay. So Rude wins. So pick between Rude and Luger. Yeah. Rude. Rude beats Luger. Rude, because he never, never lost, lost it. it, and uh, honestly, Rude's him never WC. losing it trumps that being the best run of Luger's. Career. It does because like Rude was just on fire in that at that point with WCW matches, great matches with Ricky Steamboat, Sting, and he was all set to have a great run against Big Ben Vader, possibly as a babyface before he got injured. All right, Steamboat versus Cena. Oh, do you do the classic run? Or do you do the veteran who gave a modern resurgence to a title? Yeah, I mean, that was really cool what Cena did. And he had some really great matches. At the end of the day, I'm going to go with Classic over here. Ricky Steamboat, phenomenal matches, can't be discounted. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't not pick Ricky Steamboat in this. I just think Cena, despite the fact he did a good job, was more synonymous with the world title. Yeah, and that's why I'm going to argue that it was important that he did the run with the U.S. title. Mm, you want Cena on this. You know, I mean... Hey, you know what? I don't want to go against Steamboat. I hear you. But with Cena making, getting that U.S. title run and making something of it, mm. it was a memorable string of Raws when... Yeah, well, At a time when Raw was kind of lagging. We could use those right now. I mean, we- Steamboat had the U- the championship at a time when you had... Just a roster of killers. I, I won't fight it. I won't fight it. Da, 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 da. I'm sorry, Ricky Steamboat, but we booted you, so yeah. it's... We can't see you no more, Ricky. <laughs> it's Rick Rude versus John Cena. 
Oh, we got Magnum TA somewhere, too. Oh, and Magnum TA. All right, so... Uh, Who's the first to drop out between Magnum, Rude, and Cena? Because even though you said that Best of Seven series with Magnum was classic... You know what? We didn't include Nikita on this. And Nikita was, like, right there. No, he didn't Magnum. make it. Uh, all right, well, fuck him. <laughs> Former guest of the show. Nikita, if you're listening, we love you, big guy. But you need to go to man camp, clean that fucking <laughs> act up. I guess, guess we won't be having it back. All right, so I'm going to go with uh, Magnum Rude Cena. I almost think he bounced Rude. I was he never lost the title, but Magnum had a synonymous run. Just like Cena did the modern run with the U.S. title, Magnum and Nikita did that classic run with the title. <laughs> yes, he did. And even though Rude never lost it, he was on fire. It's mm, a more, tough one, man. I think Magnum, that just had a little more historical significance, I'm going to say. All right. All right, I'm going to go with you. Magnum it is. Magnum and Cena. Uh, man. It, what do you go with? Do you go with classic run or do you go with the modern run? I really enjoyed Cena's modern run. I see. You are fighting for this one. And you know, a lot of times, I'm the guy who lays the final uh, nail in the coffin. And uh, this last time, we had done one about announcers. And uh, I gave it to you and you agreed with me still. Yeah. So, I'm going to give you the floor, man. Cena it is. Tell me why. And you got yourself a damn deal. All right. I'm, it's just the argument like I just made a minute ago where yeah. Cena was a world title contender and he made that mid-card title work for him, right. you know, and really brought something from it. Very unselfish. He put that belt above. He didn't have to do it. And then, yeah. uh, bottom line, he did. Yeah. So that's, that's his values. Yeah, and what he did putting over people in that run. Yes. Magnum, him and Nikita had that classic best of seven series. I'm a sucker for a good best of seven yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. When they set up the bar, I was into the Sheamus Cesaro best of and seven. And actually, earlier... And Cena's run on SmackDown, as you mentioned it, he had a best of five run with Booker T. Okay. So, you know what? Cena all the way, man. He's aces in my book. <laughs> I'm sorry, Magnum. We can't see you. John you, Cena. You can look, but you can't touch. <laughs> John Cena took the top spot as US cha- top U.S. champion. Damn right he did. And once again, thank you for joining us for the 5-3-1. Yeah. This is going to be the last normal one for a while because... Against all against all wishes, me and Dave have still been meeting during the quarantine. Yes, and yeah, I was just informed that this could be dangerous to Dave's health. Yeah, I mean, you hear him cough all the time. You you probably don't hear the inhaler because I edited it out. I ain't shit. He, he's he's been hurting, folks. <laughs> so. We're still going to bring you the podcast. We got about a month worth of content, baby. <laughs> yeah, this is the end of that month. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> Can't wait. So, we'll probably, as of this time, we don't know what we'll be bringing. There'll probably be, there will still be discussions week to week. Yeah. We might have to throw in some classic interviews here and there. Mm-hmm. We'll still try and get interviews. But, guys, we really haven't been playing it as safe as we could be. I mean, we already told AJ to stay the fuck home. He's working oh, yeah, in the yeah. epicenter of it. <laughs> that motherfucker gonna get us killed. Fuck yeah. Him. Like, at least me, it's like, uh, I'm probably the shakiest person Dave deals with. Mm-hmm. But we hope you guys all stay safe. Stay listening, and we'll see you next week. How? Ow. Whatever comes, whatever we bring next week. That ass. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 